0: good afternoon and welcome to the voice of wisdom with over 60 years of experience as an investment banker entrepreneur investment analyst economist and venture capitalist morty Davis is wall street and capitalism personified the over 400 companies for which he has raised more than three billion dollars over the years have created a countless number of jobs and exciting new products through the voice of wisdom mr davis explores analyzes and debates the most topical political economic and social issues facing our world today. Joining Mr. Davis today for a continuing discussion on the war in Israel is Brett Kingstone. Brett is an inventor, technology entrepreneur, award-winning real estate developer, and generous philanthropist. And now, Mr. Davis and Mr. Kingstone.
1: It's a pleasure to be back with you once again, Wednesday, 6.30 every Wednesday, 6.30 evening. Um, And it's a real pleasure to have a young man who I took public when he was out of it, just out of his diapers, I think. (laughs) And I bet on him. He looked like he was something special and he turned out to be special because uh, he was just really very young and I loved his attitude. I loved his energy. I loved his Devotion and his total commitment. He wanted to be rich, and I knew he would make it because he had such a drive and such a commitment. And he made his investors, the people I put into his company when I took him public, he made them a lot of money. So it's a pleasure to have bread on, even though he always is uh, uh, very. Disagrees with you. Very ornery, ornery, right? (laughs) Morty, you're a very (laughs) great
0: man to have me back on
1: your show again. Good to see you. (laughs) (laughs) But I like him because he's not shy about stating his positions. And um, once in a while, we, we hit something that we agree upon. So it makes me feel good that at least sometimes I'm right. It's yes, anyway, like the parting
0: of the Red Sea and the burning bush and the Ten Commandments all delivered at the same time, Morty.
1: <laughs> he also knows his Bible, his Torah. He's a terrific young man. He's still <laughs> young.
0: <COVID>, Morty. Kulakavod.
1: <laughs> still young, even though it's been many years since then. Uh, what year did I take you public in? <laughs> wow. I think
0: it was 1994, M- Morty.
1: Even he doesn't remember.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> It's 30, 30, years. 30 years ago, Morty. Yeah. Uh, and, we, and it's amazing because he's only like 32 now. Shows <laughs> you <laughs> 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 how young I took in public. Anyway, i like to start um, giving you uh, uh strength. Uh, uh, um, well, what's, the, what's the English word for Uh, uh You know, giving uh, psychological right. support. 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 support uh, As I did did in my my, uh, terrific book on happiness. The best book ever written on happiness. I read Um, it, Morty. It was a great book. Great book. Thank you. Everybody who reads it loves it. It's 365 days every single day. Advice on how to be happy. A lot of humor. A lot of jokes. So if you get a chance, get a copy. You'll love it. And if you don't love it, I'll give you double your money back. <laughs> anyway, because I'm so positive that it's gonna win you over, as it has. Uh, I have a friend that's head of a one of the Fortune One Hundred companies, and he says it's the best gift he's ever found. Because he sends gifts to his people at at Christmas time, at Hanukkah time, he sends out about a thousand gifts, and he says, you know. Rarely does he even get recognition because people take it for granted that they're entitled to it. But when he when I when he sent them this, he says not only did they they thank him, they said they've been uplifted, but he says they're going to remember it because they're going to open it a number of times a year, if not every single day. So he says it's it's the best gift because most of the gifts he gives. They realize they, when they get it, that it comes from him. But the rest of the year, they don't even know. They see it or they, they don't even see it. So let me tell you once again, the way to be happy, it's not me giving you a pep talk. It's not a psychiatrist talking to you and giving you uh, support and, uh, and a pep talk. It It starts with you if you make up your mind you're going to be happy and your attitude t- is one that insists on your ha- happiness then that's the best way to start off to being happy that doesn't mean that you won't suffer the uh, slings and arrows of life of 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 uh, people that misbehave and don't treat you well or disappointments we nobody could avoid that as long as you're human you're going to experience Negatives, even uh, things that you don't even you're not involved in, like wars overseas, or uh, in this case, wars that touch me deeply, like the war that's going on in, in uh, Gaza, uh, where Israel, uh, innocent Israelis, are fighting and and losing their lives. So there's heartbreaking things that we can't control beyond our control. But if you make up your mind that your attitude is gonna be optimistic, that you look forward to the things that are gonna be good, that your kids, your family, your health is gonna be good, and, and, and good things are gonna to happen to you in your life and you're gonna count your blessings, that's the way to be happy, count your blessings. If your eyes work, that's a blessing when you get up in the morning. If your fingers work, that's a blessing. We take it for granted, but those are the blessings that are more important than if somebody gives you a billion dollars, because if you don't have your eyes working, you can't see the beauty of nature or the color of different things in the world. It's easy, you know, there's a song, um, the best things in life are free, the sun in the morning, the moon at night, the sand on the beach, and it goes on and on, and that's true. The things that really matter are, aren't the things that you can buy. The love of your children, the love of your friends. Having a good friend is probably the most important thing you could have in life. If you have one good friend, you're very blessed. If you have more than one good friend, you really are are experiencing a miracle because there's nothing that's more rewarding. Anyway, I won't go on about uh, happiness, but I'm telling you, a good place to start is getting a copy of this book. It's called Happiness Guaranteed. See, Happiness Guaranteed? Oh, you yes, missed sir, it. Morty, can you move it to the center of the screen? <laughs> oh, move it to on? the center
0: of the screen. I read it, Morty. It's a great book. <laughs> move it to the center right in front of your chest. So you'll be able to see it. There you go. There you go, Morty. That's it. And all I have to say to you is amen, Morty. I agree with you
1: 100%. Happiness guaranteed, or your misery back. Really. (laughs) Really, you're going to be more content and more rewarded from what I wrote and my brilliant daughter wrote in this um, masterpiece. It's it's the best book on happiness you can ever come by. I, Who was your I,
0: co-author, Morty? Was it Rifki?
1: Rookie, number, my, rookie. Number, okay. my wow. number two daughter. All right. Anyway, and she practices what she preaches because she's the best person. She's doing charity all the time and doing events that help young people and old people. And people in need. So that's the thing that makes her happy. And and really, it's the thing that provides probably the most happiness. Because of all the money I made and all, all the money I spent, the thing that made it, me happy was not buying an airplane or a yacht or, or some special... Uh, Vacation. The thing that's added the most to my happiness is the money I gave away to charity, to philanthropy, to hospitals, to schools, to universities, uh, to scholarships. I get letters all the time from students where I pay their first year a scholarship at Mount Sinai uh, Medical School. And there's nothing more rewarding than that, you know. It's money I can't lose anymore, I gave it away, and all I do is get the dividends. The mm-hmm. money that I still have, I still take risks, I still buy stocks, I, and once in a while they pay off. But they don't give me the kind of happiness that I get from seeing the joy that I provide to others and the rewards, not only joy, but you know, in some cases, these medical school students that I funded—they write me. I would have never been able to attend medical school if you didn't fund my startup at medical school. And they say the good they've done, the, the the lives they've saved, all through just using whatever money I had in the right way. So that's that's true happiness. Try it. You'll see. It's. Giving is better, you know, they, I think it's the Christian Bible that said it's better to give than to receive. So I, I read that, and I, I'm always there to, to, to take because I'm taking the worst part. I let other people give so I could receive. Uh, but uh, it really is the better. The, it's good to receive because you're, you're getting a gift and you're getting help but there's no joy like giving. Anyway, enough lecturing about happiness. Uh, I keep on doing that. I will make you miserable.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, at 95, Morty, I gotta hand it to you. You're a hundred times more cognitive uh, and your memory is great and you can recite the words from songs from decades ago and uh, your thoughts are right on point. You really should uh, help Biden, I think he could use your assistance. (laughs) Because at 95, you're 100 times sharper than he is. (laughs) uh,
1: Brett, at this stage, I really do count my blessings. Every day that I get up, every day that I get up and I'm breathing, I say, oh, thank God. (laughs) I'm not looking for a lot of uh, (laughs) assets. I'm looking for the one asset that counts, that I, I can still breathe and still enjoy my extended family, which thank God, now exceeds 100 people, including unbelievable, Marty. four daughters, 30 grandchildren, and about 70 great-grandchildren, and even wow. three great-great-grandchildren. There's nothing more rewarding than that, and there's nothing nothing more aggravating than that as well. No <laughs> asset. Every asset has a price, because since they're little, I get... Stitches at the local hospital, over a hundred stitches. I get them uh, discounted. I get them wholesale <laughs> yeah. because even when they were little, I came home. One kid was two years old, ran into the uh, stool at the, the at the uh, piano, st- the piano stool, and uh, the, inevitably, I had a lot of uh, grandsons so. I came home and uh, they split their head open playing football, or they uh, were doing these tricks when on skates uh, that you risk your life, you bang your head. Mm-hmm. So, and and if you have that many, my wife used to suffer. She loved her kids. She she I lost my wife about three years ago now, mm-hmm. but she was dedicated to her children to making. the best of, of her offspring. She, she was so talented, she could have been bigger than anybody in Hollywood and mm-hmm. more beautiful than most everybody in Hollywood. And she could sing and terrific and dance but she made a commitment to bring up children that are great, and she did it. And that's much more rewarding than being a superstar in Hollywood. Look at somebody like Marilyn Monroe. You couldn't be bigger or more beloved. And yet she she committed suicide, because even if you're great, as you get older you you, you lose all the following you're not as beautiful anymore not, you know you can't do the things that made you uh, so it's nice that you have a good career, but the career that my wife had till the day she died, and even beyond where, as she's watching from above she's still deriving a great pride and and rewards. In Hebrew, it's called nachas. There's no equivalent word in the English language to nachos. It means all the things you want from your kids, that they do well, that they that they grow well, that they stay healthy. Uh, there's no word like nachos, you know, pride and joy and, and she got all that. And I still get that all of that, as well as the burdens. (laughs) Once in a while, they they have some problems that the family has to deal with. But that's what life is about: dealing with the problems. If you do what the Chinese do, they 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 talk about um, uh, not failure, but disappointment or um, or um, what what's the word uh, if you strive to do something and it doesn't work out they think of that challenges
0: as, or failure challenges or
1: failure uh, the, uh, the, more than challenges mm. um, not a mistake you know uh, catastrophes I guess. Yeah, the cat- catastrophes or major disappointments, they think of that as opportunity. It's the same word, and that's true. Well,
0: every truth. crisis is an opportunity in disguise, Marty. Yeah, right,
1: I think I've said this before on this program, but uh, somebody walked up to Thomas Edison and who was famously uh, known for having failed a thousand times before he produced successfully. a a light bulb, you know. So one guy walked up to him and said, Mr. Edison, I can't believe a thousand times you failed and you still didn't give up. How come, you know? He says, who told you I failed a thousand times? He says, it's known throughout the world, throughout the community, how determined you were and then you finally were successful. He says, I never failed once. He said, Don't be silly. Everybody knows you failed a thousand times or more. He said, No, never failed once. A thousand times I succeeded in finding out what didn't work. And each time <laughs> each time I failed I got closer to the ultimate success that I was looking for. So that's that's the key. every time you fail, if you stick to it, if it's a reasonable, if it's a doable, you know, if it's something like bringing back somebody from the dead or some impossibility, some miracle, and then you're barking up the wrong tree and you're hopeless in terms of your uh, vision of the of the real world. But if you keep on plotting on something, if you're determined to make it, go, stick to it, and it'll bring you the rewards that you're looking for, even more than you're looking for. Because when you hit... That level, if you choose something that you love, as Mark Twain said so brilliantly, he said, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life because you look forward to going to work. When I used to go to work on on raising money and supporting companies and producing jobs, I loved it. I I couldn't go in early enough, and I couldn't stay late enough. And other people... I have friends that I went to school with. uh, One of them who was supported by his father-in-law and gave him a position. He was miserable because he never got a chance to express his own. He came to see me to try to get backing so he could do something on his own. And those kind of guys. He he goes in 9 o'clock in the morning. That's when his time starts. And all day long, he's looking at the clock. Is it 5 o'clock yet? Because he gets no joy out of his work, he doesn't get a chance to express his initiative, his creativity, his originality. So if you love what you do, it's, it's the best, when, when I talked to my new son-in-laws or new daughter-in-laws or earlier on when I spoke to my children, I said, find somebody, something you love and then make that your career. Even if you gotta delay your education and take subjects that prepare you for that, find something you love and, and, and pursue that and that'll make for a happy life. Unless you got a lousy mate, <laughs> soulmate. Yeah, that, that can ruin anything, you know. <laughs> the war for divorce of a divorce has made a lot of happy miserable. Not only that, it's made them broke too, so it an answered to, the, to their misery. The uh, divorce settlements can be very burdensome and very, and fight over the kids. When I used to, I could have, might have got divorced, too, but we fought over the kids. I said to my wife, "You take them," and she said, "I take them," so we could never, well, we could never get it done. But uh, anyway, let's talk about what's going on in the world uh because it's that's something that can be very depressing and and intrude on your happiness and what's going on in uh gaza in um in a territory that israel the israeli government turned over to the Arabs at a great price to the their own mi- uh people because there were Israeli s- settlements settlers in, uh, that lived in Gaza and had good businesses uh, they grew terrific uh agricultural products uh, what are they, what do they call out of the hot houses mm-hmm. greenhouses yep uh, greenhouses uh, the- because the weather wasn't always what they needed to grow these plants, and they were very successful. And they then Hamas off...
0: moved in and they turned it into munitions, ammunition they, plants, they and bomb-making
1: over, facilities. They turned, yeah. They they thought they were turn over, turning over, uh, you know, job-producing and and uh, business income-producing uh, assets to the. Uh, Palestinians that came in to replace them. And I had friends, uh, Jewish friends, uh, that turned over over $10 million to these people, these new, new ent- entries, these new immigrants, Palestinians, to launch them in a new land and to ensure their their success so they wouldn't be troublemakers. And within a few years, the $10 million was gone and that was a lot of money at that time. This goes back a lot of years. Still a lot of money today, but it was a lot more then. And, and they blew the money and they they destroyed the greenhouses. It, it was heartbreaking. And look what we have today in Gaza. And and in order to 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 turn over the land, that land and that, those assets to the Palestinians, Israel had to actually send the army in, the Israeli army and to move the, the Israeli um, inhabitants. Settlers. Settlers, settlers, yeah. Inhabitants. I know what settlers. Ooh. Settlers has come to mean a negative thing by virtue of the uh, Palestinian definitions. If people mm-hmm. move in and develop the territory, you have to remember when in '48 when Israel was uh, de- determined by the UN to become a state, certified, authorized, legislated, voted to become a state. A tiny piece of land it was, uh, and uh, it was essentially more desert and more uh, depre- decrepit. Then a really value piece of land it's not till the Israelis got in there and used their wisdom and their dedication and their uh, talent I was in uh, once in China I took two two Jewish girls public who built hospitals in China, the top hospitals after a while, you could only go if uh, if the President of the United States or pre- president or king of another country came to China. The only hospitals they could go to was the military hospitals, which were first class. The rest of the hospitals were dirty, and 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 napped. And so the only hospital they could go to were these two Jewish girls, who built the hospitals. Initially, they built it for the um, expatri the expats, the ones who came from to live there or worked there from England, from New Zealand, from Australia, uh, from uh, the United States, as they were. They built it because they were young, and they they and their friends were having babies, and they were poorly served, so they used to go back to New Zealand or to the States. And they built that as a, uh, like a clinic, first class, first rate, clean, the best, care you could get and out of that effort they they grew it into top hospitals throughout China but initially in Beijing they even won an award from the American uh, State Department uh, Colin Powell uh, brought him to the State Department and uh, gave him an award they, uh, the, uh, the State Department used to give an award every year I don't know if they still do every year to a, top small company that makes a big business, a big a big um, impact on the country Their positive impact on the country they're in, and, uh, and a large company. The year they were uh, awarded the prize for small company, the large company that was awarded the prize at the same time was Coca-Cola. And 50, 60 different countries... And their ambassadors proposed these different countries. And these two, uh, the Coca-Cola and uh, Chindex, it was called. Chindex were, were the winners. And they even, that the, at those days, developed closed-circuit uh, television to show their employees back home that they were being honored by the State Department. So... They did, did wonderful work, and and enhanced the reputation of the Jews in Beijing and by by their work, and um, and the. Uh, I asked them, you know, since they were unique from the time of they they were young, they loved China, they majored in Chinese, they spoke the language, they they went to Colombia and majored in every, everything Chinese. And then after once they worked in China, and then I took them public. They had developed a, a, a great small company, and with the financing I provided to them, they just sold a company uh, about... I raised about 10 or $12 million for them. They sold, sold the company for over $600 million a few years ago. To, to the Chinese um, health industry. And and they stayed on as partners, so they didn't sell 100%. But I asked them, do you ever, uh, on Passover, do you ever have a chance to invite Jewish people in Beijing to your seders, to your ceremonies that we have on Passover? And they said, oh, yeah, last Passover, we had a hundred over 100 uh, guests for the Seder, for the two nights, the, uh, the two celebratory nights. And I said, a hundred? where did you find 100 Jews in, in Beijing? I, I uh, could hardly find any when I was there. They said, oh, there's a lot of Israelis that the, the uh, Chinese bring here to teach them how to how to improve their irrigation, and their uh, saliniz- desalinization, because Israel is the leaders in the world in desalinating water, salt water, so that they could have enough water in in that part of the world, and in irrigating the land, because they took a, a what was a desert and they made it a, a, an oasis. So today it's a one of the great small countries of the world. As a matter of fact, on the list of happy countries, uh, they're in the top 10. They're number 10, actually. And the United States with all, all its wealth, you'd think it would be number one. The last time I looked, it was number 16. The Scandinavian company, countries t- happened to be the, the happiest. Denmark, Sweden, Finland, Norway. Uh, so it's it's not having the most money. It's doing the nicest things for your people, caring for your people. And in those countries, we call them maybe so, too socialistic. Or they're not communists, for sure, because they, they have rich people. Just as China is no longer, we call them communists. They got more billionaires in the United States than China today. They took the best of what we have And and they adopted it. So they adopted a form of capitalism that lets you get rich, even though it's run by the so-called Communist Party. Anyway, I'm getting off base. Let's talk about what's happening in in Gaza. Uh, Israel was attacked on uh, October 7th, very much like the United States was attacked when I was a kid. I was 12 years old. December 7th December 7th and 1400 Israelis innocent Israelis many of them that were at a at a Saturday uh, Saturday morning um, concert peace concert they called it uh, and uh, young people and 1400 were, were killed destroyed beheaded including infants that, Whose heads were cut off, and 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 young women that were raped, even older women that were raped. It was it was horrendous. So that launched still another war with with uh, Hamas. Over the years, ever since we did that great gesture, we, when I say we, the Jewish people, the Israeli people, turned over. Uh, gum, uh, uh, Gaza. God, God. What? Gaza. Hamad. Gaza. Gaza. Yeah. yeah. God, not, uh, the uh, Palestinians. Um, we've had uh, recurring wars, recurring outbreaks of wars by, by the Gazaians or the Haz, uh, Hamas. 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 I'll, get, I'll never get those words. No problem. Hamas, Hamas, Hamas the Israelis call it Hamas. Hamas, uh, by launching um, terrible missiles. Uh, do they call them missiles or satellites? Rockets
0: and missiles. Yeah.
1: Rockets, missiles, uh, li- literally bombs at the end of uh, uh, things that fly. Over the border, because they're now right at the border. And it hasn't stopped, and this is the latest version of that. And um, so far, Israel Israel this time, Bibi Netanyahu has made a commitment that this is going to be the last time, because we're not going to allow Hamas, which is the same as ISIS or, or all these... Things that, uh, that, all those countries, all those ideologies that are committed to to destroy uh, not only Israel, but what they call, uh, for Iran, for example, which is the major uh, agitator and the major troublemaker in the whole Muslim world, in the whole Middle East. <clears throat> Um, they call they call Israel Israel uh, Iran calls Israel the uh, little Satan a little little Satan That was the, the U S they call the great Satan I, w- I was looking for a word little even that yes. word I can't come little by. Satan in the great in the great Satan in the United States the great Satan. So Don't they worry, wanted... Morty. you're still doing
0: a lot better than Biden, I'm telling you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, uh, the, uh, so they, they're determined, they're committed to destroy Israel. They say it in their documents, Hamas says in their documents that the, their goal is to wipe out Israel and, and in fact, the Jewish people. And Iran said the same thing. If, if they ever got the atom bomb, they need the atom bomb because they would wipe out this little Satan. So Israel's been accused uh, since the day they were set up as a country. And even when they were set up as a country, immediately the uh, Palestinians the so-called inhabitants, because there was never a country called Palestine. There's no uh, evidence of of a constitution or a government or, or, or a currency. There was no, there were people living there who were there for some time, and they called themselves Palestinians, but there was no Palestinian. As a matter of fact, I think the word came from Philistine, which has been the the enemy of the Jewish people going way back thousands of years. So from the day it was set up, you'd think if the UN set up the, um, I'm putting you to sleep. Uh, uh. <laughs> Sorry, um, it's been a, it was
0: a long I'm night. I was on the phone. Actually, I was on the phone with
1: Israel until three in the morning. <laughs> no, actually, you might my guest and I didn't let you get a word in that. No, address. no, no, don't worry. Don't I, worry. I will right now. Uh, the um, Israel has done, uh, from day one, That you'd think if the UN set them up as a country, they would have sent in some Protection or some some assurance that they could be a country because they were so tiny, and they had no army, no government, and uh, from day one, eight countries, or six six or eight countries at least, of the Mideast East uh, uh, Muslim Islamic countries attacked the Israel, including Jordan. Lebanon, Egypt, uh, who am I leaving? Syria. 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 Iraq. At least six countries, and and I think others sent mobilized troops to, to get rid of the Israelis as they were being set up. They didn't have an army, they didn't have a government, and they told their people, the Palestinian people that were inhabitants of the territory at the time. They didn't, uh, the uh, Israelis didn't drive them out. They didn't have the capacity to drive them out. These these countries, these armies, uh, these uh, generals said, flee, get out of here, we'll clean them out in no time. And the whole world believed it too, that how could Israel resist such as established armies. So they said, get out of here, you don't have to be hurt during the war, and as soon as we get rid of them, you can come back and get your property and whatever you have here, plus whatever the uh, Jewish people have, the so-called Israelis, you could take their territory too. So that was the plan, and to this day, they never uh, invited them to their countries when they were when they were displaced when they were uh, refugees. After they were no, Israel never stopped them from coming back. Even uh, about, um, I think over a million, maybe two million, repatriated came back, and they they even became citizens. Unlike uh, the Jewish people, over a million were driven out of. Over a million, yeah, over a million were driven out of uh, Muslim countries because they they used to be uh, significant uh, parts of the population of Iraq, Iran, uh, of uh, of um, a few of these countries. They still are in in uh, what, what is, uh, what's it Morocco, Tunisia but um, out of the the top uh is uh is islamic countries they were dri- driven out and unlike the treatment that the palestinians re- re- received from their brethren from their co religionists uh, from from their islamists uh uh country uh, in the Middle East they were never invited in Israel although it had few natural resources it's not a wealthy country and was just a startup country took in every every Jew that was kicked out of these these and all of them were kicked out even before they were kicked out they couldn't have Uh, They couldn't practice their religion. They couldn't have a Bible. Even while we were defending uh, Saudi Arabia during the Iraq War, the first Iraq War, when Iraq attacked Kuwait, they wouldn't let Americans. We had American army, uh, American soldiers and female soldiers there. They wouldn't let them have a Bible. They couldn't even have a Playboy magazine. The women that were serving in the U.S. Army couldn't drive. They couldn't drive unless they had a male driver in the car. So the treatment, and there would have never been a problem with the Palestinians if they treated their brethren the way Israel treated their their fellow religionists and their, what they consider their brethren. So this is enough. Of me, you had enough of me. I want to make you happy, and let let uh, Brett talk. And as this war is going on now, and 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 the Israeli government has committed this time, it's not going to happen again. That will make peace with them, and they'll violate it, and we'll have these kind of random killings. Fourteen hundred innocent people. So the, the as the Israelis are, are having success in in pursuing this goal of driving them out permanently, as I said, they consider them just as bad as as the worst um, ISIS or the worst part of uh, uh, the what, what were they called in in, in Afghanistan Taliban. The worst of the worst. So they said this time they're not stopping till they drive them totally out. And now the whole world's screaming, you know, it's enough. Uh, we'll, get, you know, we'll get them to give back the hostages they took. But you you got to stop the killing, you know. And that's like saying to the uh, United States after nine eleven. uh you know, look at our response to 9/11. We lost 3,000, almost 3,000 people, and we went to war against a country, Afghanistan. Nobody said stop. It's wrong. It and and Israel lost the equivalent, proportionately based on the size of their prob of their population. The equivalent of 50,000 versus our 3,000, and. They never said to the United States, I didn't hear anybody say, you know, cease, stop, make peace. And, and and certainly, as I said, when I was 12 years old, when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, we went to war against the Japanese and even the Germans after that. <clears throat> and uh, nobody said stop, We we went to total war. So as Hillary Clinton, who finally status, stood up like a real man, or a real woman, and said, "Don't, don't make peace. That'll be the end." That, and so, but they're saying, you know, we're being pushed. Who else has ever been pushed to to make peace when they were attacked? So the rest of the time is all yours. I've I've monopolized enough of it.
0: Well, you have a number of your questions on the uh, sheet in front of you. I think the first one is, should Israel modify the way it's approaching its war to Hamas? Should the U.S. get involved in the conflict? And my answer is no. Um,
1: the US, uh, starts after, would, the U, would the U.S. have agreed to a ceasefire after Pearl Harbor? The no, absolutely agreed- not. Absolutely a cease, not. A uh, ceasefire yeah. after 9-11. And then this how is- was...
0: How well has President this, this Biden and his administration war. been handling the U.S. reaction to the Hamas attack? How would Donald Trump have done differently? So, Morty, I want to be very blunt. If Donald Trump was president, the Russians would have never invaded Ukraine and, and the Iranians would never have had the money to support Hamas's efforts to invade Israel. Uh, the, there's the key reason that both these invasions and both these wars occurred are the same. They think Biden's weak and a feckless leader. They don't fear Biden. They disrespect Biden. Trump, they fear and they respect. And quite frankly, I really do believe Trump when he said that if he would meet Vladimir Putin in Geneva, in one day, he'd be able to settle this thing. It is absolutely outrageous, our foreign policy. Uh, Both Obama and Biden gave tens of billions of dollars to the Iranians. And what do you think they did with the money? Well, you saw what happened on October 7th. That's exactly what they did with the money. And we should have known better. We all, Biden also lift, lifted all the sanctions for oil exportation from Iran that Donald Trump put in place. What do you think they did in the money? Those missiles that the Houthis are shooting at American soldiers. That's what they did with the money. Yes, so yes, for the Sanders. first time, Morty, we're in agreement. I
1: see you nodding your head. Oh, let me... Get it clear. You're saying that this event that Hamas launched on October 7th was inspired and supported and, actually, and funded by funded, Iran, funded by the Iran.
0: Islamic Republic of right. Iran. And I think you and I on this issue are in a hundred percent agreement. Um, wars are the result of failed diplomacy and usually Bullies and dictators take advantage of weak leadership. When they see somebody they think they can punch in the nose and run away, they're going to do it. When they try to punch somebody in the nose that they know is going to punch back, they don't. It's as simple as that,
1: Morty. Well, let's look to the next um, item. Question. Yes. Go ahead. Should Israel modify the way it is approaching the war with Hamas. Should the U.S. get involved in the conflict to get its citizens held hostage to get the hostages back?
0: So, so Morty, number one, the answer is no. Israel should continue its, its uh, operations in Gaza. In fact, they've done so at the behest of uh, our generals who advise them to don't all rush in. The place is probably booby-trapped. There's mines all over. Do it step by step. Uh, Be deliberate. Don't rush in. Make sure you get your intelligence properly. Now, on the second question, as you know, I'm co-chairman of the U.S. Navy SEAL Legacy Foundation. I'm a very big contributor to them, and I've also been a very big contributor over the past 10 years to the Atale Foundation, the Israeli Navy SEAL Foundation. And I happen to know that right now, the U.S. is already involved. U.S. Navy SEALs are working side by side with Israeli Navy SEALs, Shin Bet, and Mossad operatives to determine exactly where our hostages, and when I say our, I'm saying U.S. hostages and the Israeli hostages are. And I think it's an act of war and outrageous that they would murder American citizens and take them hostage, but I don't think the U.S. should get involved. I don't want to see American soldiers' boots on the ground the Israelis are quite capable of doing the job. We should continue to support them financially with ammunition, with an additional iron dome that they're sending out already. And I tell you one thing, as much as I criticize Biden, I don't know whether it's him or its cabinet is giving him good advice, but he is supporting Israel in the proper way at this point. And I do want to give credit where credit is due. But no, I don't want to see any more U.S. soldiers killed, such as the 300 we lost in the barracks in Lebanon when Hezbollah blew up the barracks. What I do want to see, a couple of cruise missiles being launched by U.S. carriers at all the bases of Hezbollah, especially the ones that murdered our Marines.
1: Uh, Interestingly, just before I came onto the program tonight, I was watching um, either Fox or MSNBC. And they pointed out on this program that the United States has troops that are stationed throughout the Middle East have been attacked 28 times since that's the correct. beginning, since the beginning of the since October. That's correct. And at some juncture, that's clearly inspired by Iran. At some juncture, if this keeps up. I don't know how we just turn the other cheek and, and let it, you know, I, I had no idea that they were telling. Tar- we tar- don't, Morty. We soldiers. don't.
0: You know, Morty, back in, I think it was 2008, we destroyed half the Iranian Navy uh, for actions that were far less uh, determined and, and resulted in far less casualties than what has happened recently. We have several of our soldiers at the bases that have traumatic brain injuries as a result of those attacks. We have, we have our boys, American soldiers, severely wounded. Okay, I don't want to see World War III. I don't think anybody does. But I think wars are only escalated when dictators think the other side is weak. Wars get ended very quickly when people realize that the costs of their aggressions are going to be completely unimaginable and untenable. Um, but I would tell you something that if we took out the, the Ayatollahs in, in Iran, we would be doing the Iranian people a favor, because when I was at Stanford, I had many Iranian classmates. They were wonderful people, Anu Shalamzad. I went to his wedding um it was a beautiful persian wedding held in Palo Alto wonderful people wonderful food wonderful culture but the majority of iranians are kept prisoners in their own country by these terrible mullahs who think shooting teenagers in the street is a great idea they don't have freedom of speech they don't have freedom of anything and if we could do something tactical in conjunction with the israeli navy seals and the shinbet and the mossad where we can take out these dictators in Iran and turn the country back to the Iranian people, Iran can once again become one of the greatest allies in the Mideast, not only of Israel, but of the United States. Remember, when the Shah of Iran was in power, he was one of the greatest allies of the United States and a supporter of Israel. And now, I'll tell you, taking out their leadership would be a great thing. I don't want to see Iran bombed into smithereens. I don't wanna see their cities turn to rubble. They have good people there. We would be doing the Iranian citizens a favor if we could give them their country back. And by the way, again, talking about feckless leadership, Jimmy Carter allowed the Ayatollah to take over that country. And forgive me, but there's no other way to explain it. Carter was the biggest schmuck that ever was in the office. He's only maybe a close second to Biden and Obama. But I must tell you this. <laughs> we, our failed policy, created the despots who are running Iran right now.
1: The Iranians must treat their people horribly because only recently, Correct. there was a young woman who exposed maybe part of her legs or something. And the, uh, the security, what do they call them? The, they beat her to death. The police, Shabbat. what are you? The Shabak, yeah, the,
0: yeah, they beat her to death. Uh, they beat her to death.
1: Uh, what is it? The uh, not security police, the uh,
0: religious police, the
1: religious police. morality, the morality police. Yeah. Beat her to There's death. There's no
0: morality in the leadership in in,
1: in Iran, and yeah, they no are. But they the beat her. They beat her Iran. to death. They beat her to, without yeah. a trial, without anything. So. I'll tell you a side story that is very interesting. I had a guy that I appointed president of one of my companies. And he was a Harvard graduate, supposedly very brilliant, certainly very articulate. And one time he comes over to me during the time when the Khomeini was in Paris and mm-hmm. he said, you know, Morty, the State Department, used to be with the State Department, and they're calling me, and they're seeking my uh, input, my advice on what they should do with the Khomeini who wants to leave Paris and come to Iran. So I told him, Alan, just tell him to kill him. He kill said, him. oh, yeah, yeah. So he says, you're so stupid. I said, why? He says, if you kill him, you make him a martyr. I said, Alan, it's better have, to have a dead martyr than a live troublemaker. There you go. And that's with
0: the forty. Was that Shang Ansari by any chance? Hushang?
1: No, no, Hushang uh, Yeah, Hushang was was in love with the Shah. He was his number yeah. two man. No, uh, he was. Yeah, Hushang
0: of, Ansari would have said the same thing you did. We should have we should have assassinated Khomeini, not allow him to go to power. And yeah. secondly. The ridiculously ill-planned rescue of our hostages in the desert, where we didn't even have the protection on the air intake uh, uh, of the helicopters from the desert sand that made them seize up. And uh, resulting in the next day, the mullahs holding up legs and arms and body parts of our soldiers and using them as gavels on the table. And then, you know, when we got our hostages back, when President Reagan was being sworn in with one hand on the Bible and one hand in the air within 20 minutes. And you know why it happened? Because he said to the Ayatollahs, he says, my first, if the hostages are not released, my first act of president will be to bomb you in the Stone Age. He says, within 20 minutes of my hand leaving the Bible after my inauguration, if you don't release our hostages, I will bomb you into the Stone Age. And guess what, Morty? Within 20 minutes of his inauguration, they were loading. They couldn't get them on the plane fast enough. The United States has to regain its pride, its sense of urgency. We've got half the population that have become socialists and communists and Marxists, marching in the streets, praising Hamas, people who are cutting babies' heads off, putting children literally in an oven in front of their own mothers. This is what our teachers' union and our left-wing professors have been teaching. You know what the first thing I hope, God willing, when Trump gets elected, he should do? He should fire the teachers union, just like Reagan fired the air traffic controllers union and replace them with people who love this country and teach math, history, English and science, not equity, inclusion and racial theory. That's crazy. You know, Morty, I was the only white guy on my wrestling team in high school. I never had any racial problems with my black brothers. In fact, I doubled the population, African-American population, of Boulder, Colorado during my wedding because my brothers flew out from New York to join me. Okay? And here in Boulder, this left-wing capital of, of, of Colorado, which is the Berkeley of Colorado, everybody's got Black Lives Matter sign on their wall. And I asked them, have you ever had a black person sleep over your house? Have you ever had one over to dinner? No. I asked the, the guy, the head a, a maitre d' of my wedding. He was there 15 years. How many times have you had weddings do you've seen this many African-Americans? None. Never. In 15 years, huh? Because they're hypocrites. The Unfortunately, Marty, your party, the Democratic Party, got
1: what do you mean my party? by the I'm, left I'm wing. I'm <laughs> a, I'm eclectic. Over the okay. years, I've heard... You're an
0: independent now. Okay, party. glad to hear it.
1: The, the left has stolen it. the
0: microphone from the Democratic Party. Ilhan Omar Bush and Rashida Tlaib are terrorists. They're Bush not congresswomen
1: the, Bush the,
0: the I just want to from clean microphone. The
1: up, you excuse me. Bush the yes. father was one of my best friends. He invited me All to right. Kenny Bunkport. I know
0: you supported him. I know
1: you supported no, him. No, he invited me to Kenny Bunkport. As a matter of fact, he had other yeah. cabinet, uh, cabinet members and yeah. so forth at the end of the Towards the end of the meeting, they said we're going to go well, out. do you
0: like Biden? You told we're me we're right? going to go.
1: We're going to go out <laughs> and we're going to go out and and uh, play golf. And I didn't play golf, so he arranged me for me to uh, play with the tennis pro. He was a good friend. Uh, and, He's a good and, man,
0: uh, good president.
1: And uh, Nixon wanted to appoint me to a role. Uh, that's a longer story, because yeah. he canceled. He canceled like. Uh, a week before, because they, they called up, I, I waited like three months for the, to go to the White House to meet with them. And then they mm-hmm. called up, they said we have to, the president asked us uh, to postpone uh, temporarily the meeting with you. And I would have changed my career because I, I was wealthier then than I ever was. Yeah. subsequent there too. And I would have served, loved to serve the government, uh, but apparently, he sort of some little problem came up. The little problem. Well, you was, would
0: have straightened things out, Morty, because the, the yeah, little things the, we got running this asylum—they're the unbelievably
1: little, terrible. You would have turned little, this country around. The little problem that he had was Watergate. I never yes. got the, the I never got <laughs> the million. Because they said he wanted to appoint me to some role. He wanted a. Morty,
0: submit... I remember you when you were a conservative. you gotten a little liberal in your older... Yeah, older.
1: no. And you, you, <laughs> could, you, you could see on the internet, uh, if you look...
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, uh, the, the nice things, uh, President... Um, um, the cowboy. Reagan. <laughs> President Trump? Reagan. Reagan. President Reagan. Reagan. Trump was never a cowboy. Reagan. No, was, Reagan. Reagan. Uh, Reagan was such a cowboy that when he got shot and blood was pouring out of him, he wanted to keep on working because he went to have that experience. Lots of times he thought it was like ketchup or something.
0: Well, he was uh, World War II. He served in World War II, yeah. Reagan.
1: Yeah. yeah. He, he, he was, also, so once, he so was also once a very, very liberal, uh, he was head of the Democratic Party in California. Did you know that? Who, Reagan? Yeah.
0: Well, he He's, saw the light after a while.
1: He was head of <laughs> he was head of the uh, union, the the, of actors, the union. Actors, actors union. Actors union. Yeah, he yeah. was very left wing, but anyway, I I want to tell you, I love having you on the show, because unlike, unlike other guests, you never hesitate. Your your views are solid, consistent. You don't hem or whore, and mm. people can identify. Or clearly reject whatever you say, but you you say it like it is. You say it like you feel. I just want to add one thing. You mentioned uh, Hussein Ansari. He's yeah. one of my best, till this day. He's one of my best friends. One of the greatest guys. He's a great man. Great he's man. A great, a great capitalist. And, and, a great, and God willing, God supporter. willing, if we
0: take out the 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 mullahs. We should put Hussein Ansari as president of Iran. He wow. would be great. He would know how to run the country.
1: Well, he's even older than, uh, uh, he would be great, but he's even older than Trump. And, and, uh,
0: it's okay. And Look how great you are at 95. He'll still do his job.
1: No problem. I think he's a year older or something than I am. Yeah. He's, he is great still. Yeah. So anyway, in case you're listening, Hushang, I'm glad I got in a good word for you.
0: And Hushang, yes. I'm sorry I spilt the orange juice all over the table at breakfast the last time we met. I apologize.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you, you did that? I didn't yeah. That.
0: At the Waldorf.
1: <laughs> yeah, he had a beautiful, he had a beautiful apartment at the Waldorf. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But. He's very kind. He's very kind. morning god bless you may you live another 95 years god bless you morning we didn't
1: cover any part of this i'm gonna have to have you back because we didn't even cover (laughs) no problem (laughs) should we continue next week maybe you 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 you
0: set it up with uh leonard and i'll do whatever leonard tells me
1: okay because i think we we just touched a little bit of it uh and it's still going i'm sure it There won't be peace by next week, so we'll still have the same subject.
0: Yeah, but, Morty, I think what you said about happiness was very important because in troubled times like this, some of the things you said can bring people back to reality and what's important in life. So I don't think we wasted any time. I don't mind that you engaged in a long uh, discussion on that subject because, quite frankly, I think that's just as important as talking about how we should deal with these terrorists because at the end of the day... Ultimately, we have to find happiness within ourselves, and I agree with you.
1: Well, your being on my program, on my podcast, shows exactly what I said. Having you as a friend, that's more valuable than all the money I got. It's, you're, even though we don't agree, but yeah. we could agree to disagree and be, love each other still. So, well, Morty, um, I have
0: to tell you a little I joke.
1: Your, I respect your opinion, even though... <laughs> At <laughs> times, it's a hundred dial- diametrically opposed to mine.
0: And Morty, I'll tell you a little joke.
1: So, yeah,
0: I was broke when I met you. I just started in my little garage, didn't have much of anything, just an idea and a lot of energy and enthusiasm. But because I had you as a friend, you put me on the launch pad to having a multi-million-dollar business and later be able to do many millions in charities. So God bless you, Morty. For everything you've done. You put my company on the launch pad after I sold majority of my stock to Cooper Industries, on New York Stock Exchange. As you know, I started a real estate company. But basically, everything I learned in business, I learned from you. And I'm very grateful
1: for that, Morty. Thank you. Thank you for that compliment. But I know that it was your internal being, your your drive. your I recognize that in you. You know, because you were still young and you had no resume to, to endorse what what I did for you, but I saw this wisdom and the, and this drive for success, and you you made me a hero. Because a lot of people I backed uh, made me look like a bum. I was only as smart as a, I was only as smart as the guy that I backed. Did we lose uh His picture is no longer on the screen. Brad, come back. All is forgiven. Anyway, Brad, I love you. Have a great week. And to all my listeners, uh, thank you for joining in. Have a great week. God bless you. I hope every day of your life is better than the day before. Until you're 120. Then I'll negotiate for more for you.